This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. My equation is really simple. You have people, and then you have processes, and you enable those with technology. If you don't get the people through the change process so that they understand what's in it for me and what the benefit is and why they are going to enjoy their job more, be more effective, be more efficient, do things, give up the things that drive them crazy, whatever it is. If they aren't in that process, when the project is done, if they are getting nothing out of it, they will revert back to the way they've always done it because it's comfortable, it's secure, it's familiar. And it's human nature. We don't mm-hmm. like to change. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome and I have Lisa Levy in today. She's out in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Jerome. How are you? Amazing. I'm always amazing when I get to hang out with you. Good to see you today. Good to be here with you. So there's so many places I want to go. I'm looking at the book over your shoulder. I see future proofing. I see the gift of the universe, women that lead. And it's like, well, do I talk about the brain with the art and the math problems? Like, where do we go? And I know where I'm going to go. And I'm going to go to the place where you're in school and you decide that you're going to do something different than you started the journey on. How did okay. you get the courage to do that? Because I think you're a rule, you were a rule follower. And now you talk about breaking all the rules. So let's start, let's talk about how you got to that place where you decided that you're going to start doing things differently because I think that's so helpful for many of the people. All right. So this journey, right, there are stages, right? Everything, I believe everybody is a work in progress. I believe that everything we do should be an experiment and we should be on a constant you know, journey of learning. So school, I went to school to learn video production. I wanted to have a bachelor's degree that would let me go to film school. And I wanted to make major motion pictures. And that just didn't translate when I graduated into something where I was going to actually earn a living. With a degree in video production, I could go to work for a news station and I would have been making maybe minimum wage. And I was just horrified. Film school, huge dollars. And I was like, this doesn't feel right to me. I want to do something now. And that 
led me into IT. I have no background in technology. I have no understanding of it. I had nothing to do, but it was the late 1990s, mid 1990s, maybe. And it was a booming industry. And I made a connection that the everything I had learned about video production translated into a discipline that is project management. And I turned everything I had learned in one for one industry into a career beginning in an entirely different one. Oh, wow. So it was not planned. It was not graceful. It was somewhat by accident that it happened that way. But it started me down a path. That's that first part of the journey. And then with that came the desire, all right, corporate America is going to pay me a salary. I am going to get vacation time, a 401k. I had health insurance. What, what was health insurance? I was 20 some years old. Oh, well, that's great. A retirement plan. These things are freaking awesome. And so I, you know, my journey continued. And I was like, I have everything that I want in terms of feeling secure or believing that I was safe and secure in this structure. And I watched layoffs start happening and I watched other things and they, that sense of security started to, I was questioning it a little bit. And I made a switch from a safe and secure institution to a startup. It was going to help grow something, jump on a rocket ship and make it happen. They were cutting edge, new industry, identity theft protection. And it was the beginning of something that was going to be amazing. And they were maturing and wanted somebody to come in and organize projects, right? Do work effectively, efficiently, and help them grow and scale. And while I was on that part of my journey, I watched a leadership team churn two or three times in about 18 months. I watched every new executive bring in a consulting team to build up what they do. And reinforce the silos that existed in this teeny tiny company. And I thought this is absolutely insane. And I hated going to work every day. I mean, like driving into the office with tears in my eyes. I don't want to go back into that place. And one day I just sort of said... I can't do it anymore. And I want to do for other businesses like this one, what all of these consultants are failing to do. I want to actually make a difference. I want the business to be better tomorrow than it is today and not have it be about my revenue rate and not about me bringing in more and more resources to just build my business. I want it to build theirs. And that is that first moment when I did something, I guess, as an adult, radically different, and I walked away from everything that I thought I wanted. I put it all on the line. I started a company with no business in hand and just went for it. And that was in 2009. With the How does mindset of courage. It didn't feel like courage then. It felt somewhat insane, but I also was compelled to do it. I didn't have a choice. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, tell me more about that, not having a choice. I didn't have a choice because the job didn't work. And the idea of another job sounded equally important. I was just, you know, I just, I couldn't do it. My dad is an entrepreneur. 
and always has been. He's a real estate developer. And I was terrified of that lifestyle because of the feast and the famine. When things are really good, they're really good. And when they're not, they're really uncomfortable. And that's why I really thought that this corporate thing was working for me, right? Safety, security, but that's the big lie for our generation. I don't know anybody who spends 30 years at a company and gets the, you know, the golden watch when they retire and the safety net that a generation prior did. So the lie is the lie. And I decided I didn't believe it anymore. And I've been on what I describe often is I'm building my own roller coaster. And there are unexpected twists and there are unexpected turns, but I'm building it so those unexpected things are a little bit of fun too. Rather than just fearing the uncertainty, right? I want to step into it. I want to embrace it. And I don't always know what's coming next. And so that sort of in that journey of the company brings us, you know, several years into the future and you and I met and you asked some really pointed questions and made me think differently again. Just what about, what, about six months ago now? Right. Uh, and we are. Well, reading... yeah, we had that conversation in that first in-person conversation. We yeah. saw each other a few times virtually, but yeah, when I got to experience you, you sharing your perspective and adding your humor into that mastermind meeting, that was when I really knew that there was something for sure something special and okay. you know i've watched like you said you didn't know it was courage but what you just described is absolutely terrifying for people the thought of leaving behind all the stuff that they worked for in order to pursue the thing that most people don't even know how to do right you saw you had an example of it and it was an example of what you didn't want right but you still went down the path. And so it's easy to think sometimes we're naive and we go do a thing because we don't know how hard it's going to be. And as long as we don't give up, things work out. But there's a lot of people who don't have the support that they need. And when they go and do the thing, they fall short and they don't have anything to fall back on because they don't have anybody helping them go. And so they go back to the thing. I caught the way I really like to describe it is they go out of the jungle into the desert. Mm -hmm. In the desert, they find out that they didn't pack properly and they don't actually know where they're going because the dunes are moving. And so they either die in the desert or they turn around and they go back into the jungle. And the jungle is just okay. But if you make it across the desert to paradise, it's a totally different life and it's a different experience. And so to give the listeners perspective, like how long have you actually been out as an entrepreneur? How long ago did you leave the security or the illusion of security behind of the corporate career? I made that decision in spring of 2009 that it was going to happen. My company was actually formed in July of 2009. So we were in the middle of an economic downturn. I made the choice to leave the perception of security with the mindset of if I can make this work right now, I think I've got something. It hasn't always been easy. There have been moments of feast. There have been moments of famine, but it is working. 
and it is growing. And what I do today, what my team does today is very different than what we started doing, right? But it's the evolution of it. It's grown, it's richer, it's more diverse. We, you know, our perspectives and our experiences have grown and all of that feeds into then what we can give it and pour into our clients. And so that started in 2019 to the first book, Future Proofing Cubed, which is the story of, but also the kind of the how-to of adaptive transformation, which is what we do and how we do it, right? It's our secret sauce, which isn't secret. It's four best practices from common large corporation industries consolidated down into a way that smaller businesses can get the efficiencies and the effectiveness without having to buy into the whole big creation of a department for project management, a department for process management, a department for organizational change. There are tools and techniques that every employee can understand and learn, and that gives the businesses the ability to grow and scale. So Future Proofing Cubed was my first attempt at taking all of that information and giving it to a larger audience in a consumable package with some fun stories about some CEOs and some founders who are really great examples of leading in this way. Oh. So you use the experience from your pivot from doing film production in corporate to now take that, package it, and give it to the small business owner, the medium-sized business owner, so that they can go to scale. Yes. What a novel idea. So is this something that you could have used when you were coming out or is it not for startup world? So one of the things that was really interesting when I released the book and started talking to people about what's in it and what it's all about, I never imagined it for solopreneurs or for startups. I really believed that the value of it was at that emerging stage when you have a solid revenue rate, you have an executive team, you have all of those pieces, that's where this starts to give real impact. Feedback that I received from people reading the book when I was talking in groups from solopreneurs and startups is there's value to start this way at the beginning, right? To have this knowledge, to have this understanding, to understand where they're heading, even if they're the one person doing it all, I've given them a structure to do it well. Mm. And I never expected. So the structure is the value, like the real value, because they know they have a target to shoot for. They know where they are and they know kind of what would be the next milestone on the journey. Right. And they know how to plan the milestones on the journey and they know how to do work and understand that they're doing it efficiently rather than with a lot of wasted time, energy, and money. And they understand that people are the requirements to move anything forward. And people have to go on that journey and they have to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and what's in it for them as an individual before they'll ever say yes and do the thing. Got it. So showed up to help you on this journey, right? Because... It seems like you left behind everything you knew to go do everything you were familiar with because you, yeah. you can take the knowledge, but everything you were familiar with, you left that behind. And you said you had no contracts when you started. 
So you yeah. went to zero. I did the same. Yeah. I think that's just being naive. <laughs> so, I think that, that's just freaking crazy. And it and is stupid. not the right way to go into business, but yeah. I did the same thing. I, but was there somebody who helped you kind of cross the chasm of, I don't even know how to send out an invoice to, I, don't, I still don't think you said it. Like you're over 15 years outside of Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I laugh when people ask you what, you know, what happens if it doesn't work? And like, well, we're a long way into the journey for it not to work at this point in time. But what I know for a fact is I am 100% unemployable in a, you know, in a corporation. Absolutely not possible to go to that space. So, you know, if this isn't working right, I have to evolve it into the next thing and let it grow and change and morph so that I am meeting needs of clients because that's right where the value is. I can do a million different things, a million different ways, but if somebody doesn't get value out of it, it has no value. So that's the, you know, the acceptance that what I do today will be very different a year from now and five years from now because needs will change and I have to respond to them. And so this thought that the thing is fixed and it's always the same thing is one of somebody who hasn't actually weathered yeah. the storm of being out on their own in their own ship in the ocean. They don't yeah. see the comings and the goings of the hurricanes and some of the other stuff that yeah. Oh, yeah. But you asked the question about who helped me, you know, make the transition. And the business reality is there was nobody. Ooh. The personal reality is I had a support system in my family that I have. And for everybody who's ever heard me speak at some point in time, they've heard me talk about granny. I had granny in my corner and the unwavering belief that I can do anything was just resident in her. And so that I was able to draw on. Professionally, at that point in time, when you left corporate to go on your own, it was perceived as a betrayal of sorts. And it was seen as you were directly going into competition with basically everybody that you know. And so professionally, it was really awful. And it took more than a decade for everything to change to the point where we are participating in things called masterminds, where we are collaborating together as small businesses, as solopreneurs, and we're coming up with ways to scale together. I've been doing that since the beginning because every person I knew who was going out and trying to go out on their own was experiencing the same thing I was, which was just this sort of betrayal from everybody they knew. So when I talk about we in the L-cubed space, I don't have employees. I have partners. And there are other businesses. There are other solopreneurs. There, That's where my team comes from so that I'm always bringing in the best and the brightest for the specific needs that we're solving in a client environment. And I could not imagine doing it any other way. Huh. So if I'm hearing you right, you aren't building this empire where you got all these people reporting into you, but you're doing joint ventures, strategic alliances, partnerships in order to get 
jobs done that may be broader than what your internal capacity is, but you're not tying yourselves together permanently. Right. Where did that model come from? Because most people, I think, get overwhelmed with the thought that they need to hire all these people and they don't know where they, how they're going to be able to pay them if they don't have any revenue. And it, there's, you know, this hurts. It's all of those concerns, right? That was the starting point. And that was the starting point of I didn't want to be responsible for other people's financial well being. When I wasn't entirely sure I could make my own life work, right? So first and foremost, I didn't want that pressure. And I wanted to have people who were wanting to build something of their own or were building or had, right? Had that same mindset. There's a different, a different perspective that you work from when you're building a business and you're creating revenue for yourself as opposed to wanting the safety and security of a salary. And it's not to say that there aren't people that I have worked with on my team that I have paid on a salary or, you know, on a payroll type basis. Sometimes that's just easier for them. But my preference, and then, and that's always kind of temporary, right? It's as long as the gig lasts. And if they move on, that's fine by me. There's no, you know, it's, so I don't want to get hooked around an axle on how we pay but the model definitely was never about building a team of internal resources, building a bench of people, because the downside to that is you land a deal and you look at who's on your bench and the person who has capacity does not have the capability for that engagement. And in a traditional consulting practice, you'd still get that resource because they're the ones who need billable hours. And I don't like that model. So. So, and this is the thing that struck me most about you when we, and why I wanted to learn more about you and what you were doing was you don't want to take what's not yours. The thought of being a parasite or a leech, like a, many management consultants model their business to be it's a turnoff for you. You feel like it lacks integrity. And I think that is something that sets you apart. I'm only here to do what I'm capable of doing. And if it's not what we should be doing or how we should be doing it, then we don't want to create inefficiencies for your business. Unnecessary drag. Yes. What I'll call it. And so did you see that somewhere? And it, and you talked about the executives hiring the consultant to build the thing. Is that where you got this disdain for kind of the in earlier in my career? I've worked in professional services. I've been, you know, part of the consulting team, and again, didn't necessarily like what I call the land and expand mindset. It's. There's a time and a place where it's appropriate to grow a presence. It's not the type of consulting I want to do because I want to fix a problem. And I want to fix it in a way that I'm building self-reliance in the client environment so that problem doesn't repeat itself. They can care for whatever that is on their own. I would love to then fix the next thing and the next thing as long as we have the skills and the capability to do it. 
but it's not about headcount growing and building a codependent relationship, right? Where the client is not capable of doing the thing for themselves. And if they then cannot afford to pay a consultant to do the thing, they fail. That's devastating. And you're right. I, it's abhorrent to me. And it cuts at a very low personal level of it. I think that there's a lack of integrity in that approach. Oof. Okay. So this approach, and I think this happens in the coaching space as well, where people will make the folks that are working with them versus empowering them and showing them their capacity and their greatness. You, you mentioned granny earlier. And so she seemed to be the one who was pushing you to be more, to be greater. Is that where you modeled this or is that what you're modeling from or is it something else? Modeling it. I don't know that I'm modeling it from granny. She was the safety, the security, the place that when, right, when all of the thing, all of the voices in my head were screaming at me, you're crazy, you're, you can't do this, you're out of your mind, right? She was the calming voice that helped me find center and find the fortitude to move forward because her faith in me never wavered. She was unique in her professional experience, in her career. In her late 40s, she moved back home to work with her brother in the family trucking company and ultimately bought it from him. Oh, wow. And so she set a stage and a standard that as a female business owner, there really aren't any barriers. You know, she was a female running business in a totally male-dominated industry. Everybody in that industry in the small town in Michigan was waiting for them to fail once she took over. And she, you know, led that forward. My aunt took it over and rebranded and repackaged over time. But it's, you know, it's grown, it's changed. And it would have died if she hadn't stepped in when she did. So was there a model of strength in a female? Yes. Did I don't know that I modeled what I was doing based on anything that she did because what did they were so different. But yeah, she was safety and security for sure. Yeah. So when I said model, it's just more of your approach, right? You, I, you have this approach where you don't make people relying on you. You come in, you steer, you guide. And then you set them free to go do the thing or they come back for more because you give them the safety and security that they probably didn't have before. I hope I do. I mean, that's one of the things that it's somewhat hard to quantify, right? But I think that is part of why we're effective at what we do. I've talked a lot about, right, this consulting practice and you've introduced the you know, idea of coaching into the conversation. And that's part of the evolution and what I'm learning and changing. Coaching has always been embedded into what we do. I just didn't know that's what it was, right? Because we're building up teams, we're building up people, we're building up leaders. And, and now we're experimenting on the coaching practice for our team so that we can do that on purpose first 
because what we find in our the consulting engagements is we have to start doing that work when things don't go the way that the client imagined they were going to go because nothing goes according to plan and there are always those hiccups and that's when we find out whether or not the team is capable of leading do we need to coach do we need to build up skills capabilities and now we're really wanting to do that on purpose and not in a reactive way and i'm mm. really excited to be doing that kind of work because i think that it's foundational and yeah, you know, with everything that I've done, so Future Proofing Cubed talks about adaptive transformation. Before the book was even published, I realized that there are pieces of it that I didn't write. And that's about ideation and innovation. And you have to have that funnel leading into being able to make new things happen. So I missed that piece. And before that, I missed the piece of having the team well-tuned to lead through change. And so that's where the coaching starts to come in. And so, right, this is all growing and evolving, you know, day to day, week to week, year to year. So people are like, they might be scratching their head. I don't know if they are, but somebody probably. Is. What's the difference between coaching and consulting? Because I think a lot of people think they're the same thing and throw in counseling because it's another C and you got this C of all these overlapping thing. Yeah, they're all overlapping, but I think there's magic there somewhere. Well, and I think that, you know, what we define, I think definitions are fluid. So for me and what I do with my practice, the consulting is the work where we come in to make something new happen, right? Create big change and come in and do it with you or do it for you. And that's a good thing sometimes. But coaching starts to support in the building those skills and those capabilities so that you can do for yourself and you can lead through that change. And then when you do a done with you consulting, you are still leading and relying and being more self-reliant and needing less from the consultant within your organization. They are there for the specific expertise for creating the change, but you are leading it inside your own organization. And I think it's really important that businesses be able to do that because that will make the change last and you can sustain it when as a consultant, I come in and we do something and we walk away at the end of a project and there's nothing about how it's going to sustain over time. And it's more of a check box. I completed something for somebody's quarterly review, right? I need to do something. So they've checked the box. That thing, that change will revert back to what it was before. 80% mm. of the time. Why? Because it's hard to sustain change. Okay. You have to write, my equation is really simple. You have people and then you have processes and you enable those with technology. If you don't get the people through 
the change process so that they understand what's in it for me and what the benefit is and why they are going to enjoy their job more, be more effective, be more efficient, do things, give up the things that drive them crazy, whatever it is. If they aren't in that process, when the project is done, if they are getting nothing out of it, they will revert back to the way they've always done it because it's comfortable, it's secure, it's familiar. And it's human nature. We don't like to change. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, AKA the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Ooh. So I think that was a really poignant point that I want to go back to. So you said there's people, processes, and it's enabled by technology. I think so many people feel like technology is the whole thing. That is the scary reality of our world, right? There's an app for that mindset. And there is, but is it the right app and does it do the right thing? And if you, so the equation, it, right, it's people plus process times technology equals growth and scale. You have to have the right people doing the right work, using technology then to lift it up to scale. Software companies tell you that the technology solves all problems. But if you have crappy process and you enable it with the latest, greatest technology, you get what a friend of mine calls super fast bad. And so anything that's wrong in your environment gets magnified by the technology. And then, right, everybody hates the technology. It's the technology's fault. You've already invested thousands or millions of dollars, depending on the size of your business, into something that everybody hates, nobody wants to use, and you're going to end up customizing it, changing it, fixing it to do all of the things that it should have done in the beginning if you knew what your processes were. And then you're going to replace it in three to five years because everybody freaking hates it. And it doesn't do the thing well. Well, the technology only does what we ask it to do. And so if we don't have the right people doing the right work and understand what the right work is, technology won't solve the problem. So we actually have to do the work with the people in the process. Yes. That sounds ludicrous. That's malarkey. Nobody does that. The equation, as I call it, right, the idea of all of this, the relationship between the people, the process, and the technology was first documented at Stanford University in the mid-60s. This mindset, this three-stooled table, whatever you want, a three-legged table, has been around for that long, and it is the foundation of just about every management consulting practice on the planet. And it's just, do we do it well, and do we do it with integrity, and do we do it with the right goals of empowering our clients' success or not? 
Wow. Okay. So you've built your whole practice on this, whether yes. it's coaching or consulting. And I, I really like the thought of we're isolating the people and working with the people in the coaching, helping them grow, expand their capacity. And then for me, it feels like the consulting is really on the process, right? And then there's this other piece where the technology integrates with the two, but you've got to do the, the people plus the process before you even begin to do the technology. So for me, the technology is like money. It's an amplifier, right? It's just a megaphone the bigger the issue, but it becomes a scapegoat because it's amplifying what you didn't do with the other thing. Right. And so for somebody out there who's looking for the next technology solution for their company, because people are complaining about whatever's happening, you're saying, whoa, you, you need to make sure that there's the right people. They're in the right seats and they're doing the right things in the right way. Yes. And then I'll take it the next step further. Is the technology you currently have bad or is it just not being utilized to its fullest capability? So, right, you don't necessarily have to change technology to fix the problem. More often than not, existing technology in-house is capable of doing what you actually need it to do if you line up your people and your processes and then use that technology correctly and completely there's all there's a time to leave a product but it's very expensive to make those switches and understanding capability of what you already have and what you're not utilizing can save a ton of money <laughs> a ton of money i'll say that again for you so there's not just friction issues that people deal with, but there's also financial ramification for getting this wrong. Yeah, absolutely. In a business, in a maturing business, there comes a point in time when technology is the second largest output following payroll in any business. Whoa, no, no way. It's the biggest expense outside of payroll for knowledge workers? As, you, as a company reaches that billion-dollar mark, and they are absolutely their second largest expense is IT. What in the... I, how did I not know this? I have no idea. But yes, as the company grows, the investment in technology and keeping the technology current, operating, stable... Right. Those, all of those things, absolutely. Second largest outlier after employee costs. Wow. Okay. So this just magnifies the importance of getting it right and having somebody on your side who's seen this through over and over and over and over again, over 16 years or so. So when somebody is out thinking about this and thinking about bringing somebody in to help, what should they be asking? What should they be questioning? What should they be looking for to make sure that they get the outcome they desire? 
Well, I think the first thing they have to do is ask questions about inside, right? Do, are we confident that we have the right people doing the right work and that we're as efficient and effective as we can be? And that's a hard series of questions to walk through, especially for smaller businesses where you've been together, you know, there's the four or five of you and you've been together for five years or you're at 20 people, right? And to really look at, do we have the right people in the right seats and are they adding the most value that they can. And if you don't have confidence in that, it's time to look outside to get some help, guidance, some coaching, potentially a, you know, a consultant to come in and assess and understand your environment and read it back to you, right? So that you're seeing it through those objective eyes and that perspective of things that may be missing that you didn't even know you should be thinking about and have that readback of what's going on with the business. And from that, you can make decisions about, do we need to go down a path for coaching our leadership team for coaching our people to rise up into emerging leaders? Do we have processes? And that's a very specific question. The answer to that is if it's not written down some way, somehow, it's not actually a process, right? No, you can't Seriously. say that. That's not fair. Seriously, no. it's that simple, right? And if it, it is not written down on a piece of paper or, you know, right, papers, you know, virtual paper, right? If it's not documented in some way, shape, or form, and it's just in Jerome's head, it is not a process, right? It is a series of activities that may or may not happen at a given point in time. And if Jerome is on vacation, nothing gets done, right? It's not a process. Um, and if Jerome and Lisa do the same job and they do it differently, guess what? It's not a process, <laughs> So there's work there. And more often than not, there's a good amount of work there. And so understanding that is important because until you are repeatable, you are not ready to scale. Until it's repeatable, you're not ready to scale. But I want more, make more money, Lisa. What do you, why would I slow down and do any of this paper stuff, this nonsense you're talking about? It's obviously a process. It's getting done. We're delivering, we're fulfilling on yeah. the orders. Why would that's not until you're not make more money, right? And it, right, you will make more money being efficient, and you will make more money by having those seven resources who are fulfilling the orders. If you're able to do it with three, and those other four go on and they are developing the next thing that you're taking to market. If they are focusing on selling more of the widgets because three can now fulfill, you have capability and capacity to move your best performers into other places where they can drive more impact. And that is the key of why it is important to be repeatable. And that's also when you get to automate with technology so that then the work of three humans is producing the output of 15 because the technology is helping. Oh. That scale. Efficiency. Wow. So if you systematize it, then you might not need a human to do it because mm -hmm. the rules are set. The decisions are the same each time. And so yep. in concept, we don't have to spend a bunch of time. On and that human can be doing something that adds bigger value. Actual knowledge work. 
actual knowledge work. So as we come into probably the last quarter of this conversation, I love to hear about some of the challenges that you've overcame because I think that shows people your real grit, your real fortitude. Because when what we've talked about, the coaching and consulting, when people invite you into that space, it's very intimate, right? They're showing you the wars, they're showing you the problems, they're showing you the imperfections. And they need to know that you can fight through the challenges that they want to know that you're a fighter you got some battle scars so this journey have there been any challenges or did it just all go as planned because i mean you walked out with no revenue and you're still out so yeah no there are absolutely battle scars many years ago there is a consulting group based in new zealand i came across them in an environment their company motto was we sell gray hair and scar tissue. They had been around, right? And that they're selling their experience, right? I would love to use a tagline like that. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy because the point is, right? Nothing ever goes according to plan. Ever. And ever, nothing ever does, or there wouldn't be a discipline called project management to help try and keep things on plan with tools and techniques for responding to the things when they don't go according to plan, right? There's that whole discipline exists because of that. And, you know, the challenge is, you know, people have emotional responses to information. And sometimes I'm sharing things that they don't want to hear. And I have had one experience years ago Part of what we were doing was an audit of the environment and understanding what technology they had and how they were licensing and paying for things. And it was really tactical. But as we were reading back the information and sharing that they have more equipment and more licensing than they're paying for, right, they didn't want to hear that. And a gentleman actually had what I will call a temper tantrum. And I took his coffee cup and chucked it across the room and, you know, stormed out because he wasn't going to pay more money because some external consultant said that it was all a scam. I was in cahoots with whomever, right, to get them more revenue. And that became one of those moments that it's like, why, why do I do this? And so I don't do that kind of tactical assessment anymore because that's not, it's just life is too short for that behavior. But every environment has an opportunity for growth somewhere. That gentleman needed some coaching. A lot. Maybe starting in the HR space, but he needed some coaching. And because he was brilliant and really a subject matter leader in his space, but had never been taught how to be a member of a team and to behave and show up effectively. These are skills that anybody can learn. And that's sort of the, while that was a horrifying moment, it was important to me to understand that then there's a conversation that, you know, that need for that coaching part of my practice is very real. I just didn't fully understand it then. The other piece that's so hard and those moments for me in the engagements, right, is when we hit those points of resistance, when a client is hearing that 
when an executive team is hearing that from the voice of the people, things aren't perfect. Those are hard conversations. Those are emotionally charged conversations, especially in smaller organizations where it's still really personal, right? Because I have been building this company. I have given everything I have and, I, and the team doesn't think that we've got it all working right, right? They're frustrated. They're unhappy. Morale is low. Those are really hard conversations and times when things can just sort of fall apart, I love putting it back together. Really? Absolutely. Right? I have all around me the Rubik's Cubes, right? Everything is just a puzzle that needs to be solved. And when things blow up and fall apart, it's the opportunity to rebuild stronger. Right? When we break a bone and we set it and it heals that spot where it broke is stronger, right? Teams work the same way. People work the same way. If you can come back together and put the pieces together in the right order, you can take a disaster and turn it into everything you hoped and dreamed it could be. Wow. I've never heard it described that way. It's really beautiful, right? Because you can take a mess and make it a message for people on what's possible. That's good stuff. So this is the first episode of 2023. It's coming out on New Year's Day. And I know there are a lot of people out there concerned about what's going to happen this year. And they're looking for some insight on what's around the corner or what's over the next hill what do you tell them if they don't have an advisor on their side some type of coach or consultant i believe that every leader should have a coach or an advisor somebody in their corner that safe place to go and share the fears the concerns the rawness because as leaders we have to show up for our teams with our best face forward right our strength and all of those things even though we lead authentically, there's certain fears that you don't want to share with everybody else, right? The nitty gritty things that keep you up at night. And a year ago, I would never have said that I thought every leader needs to have a coach or an advisor. And working with Jerome has, you've changed my thinking on this so holistically, it's night and day. But we do need somebody there. and We need to have that for our leadership teams as well. Because we need somebody objective to mirror back to us what's actually happening. Because we don't see the forest for the trees. For you know, that's my cliche for the day. And it's, I guess, important to have perspective. An advisor, a coach provides that. And that will amplify your ability to drive results in a business, regardless of the size exponentially and so for the listeners that are out there and they want to find out more about the coaching and consulting with you what should they do how can they get more of lisa i am accessible on linkedin at lisa l levy you can find my website lisa l levy.com which takes you into the l cubed 
space. So everything that you need to see is there. You can hear more of my thoughts on the YouTube channel, L Cubed Consulting. There's lots of ways to get to access, but from the website, there's links to my calendar. Ooh, so they can get some Ooh. time with you after doing a little bit of learning. Yes. That is awesome. So the final question, the one I ask every guest on every episode, what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? The one thing I want listeners to take away is really simple. They have the pieces of their puzzle. They just need to put them together in the right order. And we've talked about it several different times. People plus process times technology. It's pretty straightforward conceptually. It's art to actually make it happen. And so if you're struggling, find my calendar link and get 30 minutes. I'd love to talk with anybody. That's a big give. I don't know. Lisa and I are going to have to talk about 30 minutes, giving those away to people. But that's amazing. Lisa, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. I got tremendous value from the conversation. And one thing that was definitely confirmed for me as we went through that journey was that you're a dream catcher. You've gone out, you created the dream, you've caught the dream and made it your reality. And then you went back to help other people do it. And I think that truly is the magic. When the student becomes the teacher, that's when things go to the next level. And I think everybody, and you didn't, you're so humble. You didn't talk about the results that you're getting. from. And I won't blow up the spot, but you got to start sharing that stuff because people will be in shock and awe when they get exposed to the transformation that can happen. You being a part of that is, I think it's the thing that has helped those people get to where they are. And they've told you openly, it's helped, you help them get to where they are faster than they ever could have done it on if they could even achieve those heights. With that, we'll wrap the episode. But again, I just want to tell you, thank you so much. Thank you, Jerome. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real. <laughs>